wisdom. Let us be attentive. Brethren, you know that a man is not justified by his works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law shall no one be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we ourselves were not found to be sinners, is Christ then an agent of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again those things which I tore down, then I prove myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself to me. Peace be with you, the reader. listen to the Holy Gospel. Peace be with all. And the reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Saint Mark. Let us be attentive. <laughs> The Lord said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. <clears throat> and he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death, before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Brothers and sisters, this Sunday, we are on the other side of the great feast of the exaltation or elevation of the precious cross upon, upon which Christ was crucified. This feast day, which falls very close to the nativity of the Theotokos, right at the beginning, right at the beginning of the church year, marks for us a bit, a bit of a dissonance, a bit of a contradiction. It is a great feast, yet we celebrate it with fasting. The gospel passage that we just heard is full, just full of meaningful messages that can spark innumerable conversations, really. Much like many other gospel passages, of course. But I have chosen this one short few words of a statement from the Lord in this gospel reading. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I've chosen to focus on, on this short portion, really just so I can keep myself to an accountable measure of time. But let's talk a little bit about this precious sign of victory, the Holy Cross. In academic theological work, there is an approach which serves us, there's, there's an approach to studying the scriptures which serves our Christian life really very well. This is called typology. Basically, it is the study of finding types or examples in the old that give us a better understanding of the present, sometimes even of the future. Through typology, quite simply, we search and identify in the Old Testament an early telling, a foreshadowing of things to come. This is especially important in finding such types that revealed to humans, us, all of us, about Jesus Christ even before he was announced and born in the flesh of the Theotokos. But typology is well applied to other persons in the scriptures and even uh, beyond Christ. And the greatest example, of course, is the Theotokos, who appears pre-announced repeatedly in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Isaiah. The same is true, once again, not only for persons, 
but also for events and things such as the Holy Cross upon which Christ was hung. I'd like to list a few such foreshadowings to you. The tree in the Garden of Eden, the tree that we find at the earliest readings of the scriptures in the story of creation, that tree that Adam and Eve interact with, that tree which carries for them, which carries for them a confusion, that tree before which they are tempted is a representation of the cross. Then we move on through the scriptures and we come across the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. Think of that story. Think of this experience, right? Abraham and Isaac traveling up to do what God has asked Abraham to accomplish, right? To offer as blood sacrifice his own son. And what does Abraham ask Isaac to carry? Wood. This wood that Isaac carries to the place of sacrifice is also representative of the cross. We go on and we, we uh, read other parts of the scriptures. Think of the story of Noah, the ark he built, the wood that he used to build that ark is also a telling to us of the cross, of the wood of the cross. But not only there. Let's look at a couple of sticks. I'm trying to be funny, but in all truth, looking at the rod of Moses. Moses uses his rod to divide the Red Sea into two. Moses uses his rod to raise up a serpent in the desert for the people to look at. Think of that experience in front of the Red Sea where the people of God are chased about by the Egyptians, right? They are in danger. And think of being in danger and somebody telling you to start walking through a sea. It appears as if you're going into greater danger, into sure death. Yet, by the rod of Moses, the Red Sea actually becomes a vehicle of salvation for the people of God. Think further of another rod Aaron's rod this time that was used in turning the water of the Nile into blood. And finally, of course, we arrive with another object made of wood, the cross, the cross upon which Christ was crucified. But this cross, of course, was known to the people of that time as 
a mode of death, a gruesome mode of death, and a gruesome and merciless mode of actually presenting the convicted one to the entire community, to bring an awareness to the entire community that this person was not only to be punished by death, but also shamed before the community. That which was known to the people of Christ's time as a vehicle of death and shame and destruction, the cross becomes actually that poetic altar which now is turned into a place of victory. You see, brothers and sisters, this is the juxtaposition that we experience standing before the cross. That which seems to be, that which seems to be a source of death becomes by the work and sacrifice of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, our sign of victory. All of these situations where something is potentially harmful are turned upside down for us. In fact, the cross, the sign of the cross becomes salvific and this is precisely why we, we as followers of Christ, who intentionally decide to walk in his footsteps, choose to take up our own cross, to follow the way of Christ, involves precisely that type of struggle to say no to the self, to say no to what we believe to be that which we feel as right, and to present ourselves as accountable in faith to the Lord God who miraculously transforms that which is painful into that which is glorious. You see, just like Isaac carrying the wood prepared for his sacrifice, where God comes seemingly out of nowhere, bringing joy and reassurance to Abraham, Isaac's father, we carry a cross also. Nearly a quarter century as a priest, having spoken to numerous, numerous people, I have not encountered even one person who has not experienced at least one, one difficult, troublesome trial in their lives. And so often, it's difficult to even stop, pause, and see that trial 
as simply the cross. Now, when we look at the cross of Christ, we begin to see that we are called to something greater than just a pursuit of satisfying our needs and making sure that we are happy. I hate to tell you this precisely for us as Americans, but the pursuit of happiness is not the reason why we live. The pursuit of happiness is that fleeting goal that ends when our body dies. Our pursuit, brothers and sisters, is for Christ's joy in eternity. Christ's joy in the kingdom of heaven, standing together with the Father and the Spirit, standing in oneness achieved with his mother, a human like you and I, standing in oneness achieved not only with the Trinity, but with the Theotokos and John the Baptist and the other saints whom we glorify. They stand in the real happiness. They stand in the real joy that you and I truly yearn for. And they stand in that eternal joy waiting for you. Waiting for each and every one of us. And all the saints interceding that we begin to pick up the cross and indeed seek to carry it to a place of glory in our hearts so that Christ's joy in eternity may become our eternal joy as well. Amen.